There is a saying that rings true, and it's this, war is hell. When you read books about war, talk to veterans about war, they all agree that war and the horror of war is too horrendous to be described. War indiscriminately crushes combatants and civilians alike, both physically and mentally in all kinds of other ways. Because war is hell, it cannot be ignored. And when a country or a people are at war, everyone knows. And it is painfully obvious because war crashes into everyone's life and into everyone's way of life. War, when a country wages war against another country, is impossible to forget, impossible to disregard, impossible to ignore. Yet, there is a war that we Christians can ignore to our own peril. And that's this, that Satan, our mortal enemy, has sworn to do all in his power to destroy our church and each and every one of us in this room. And yet, we can forget disregard or ignore the fact that we are at war. Friend, Satan has declared war on this church by name and on you and on me and on all of us. You might be sitting there thinking, well, he's overstating the case. Well, actually, I haven't told you half. Revelation chapter 12, verse 17 we see explicitly what Satan is doing right now. Then the dragon, this is in the midst of a different story, about the dragon being thrown down. The dragon is Satan. Then the dragon became furious, and he went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, this is us, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. What is Satan doing right now? He's defeated. He's not in heaven, jar, or sparring with God. He has gone off to make war and continues to make war against us. Satan is making war against you, he's making war against me, and he's making war against all of us at this very second. He does not sleep, he does not slumber, he is no fool, he is a dreadful foe. He is mighty. He's an expert in humanity, having studied our kind for millennia. He has an intellect beyond all of us collectively. He's cunning, and he's willing to use all manner of weapons against us. At times, he will attack us with both prosecution, persecution and prosperity. At times, he will attack us with both outright lies and inconvenient truth. At times, he will attack us with both reason for doubt and overconfidence. At other times, with accusations, and other times, with flattery. Sometimes, he tempts us to be unsure about those things that we ought to be confident about, and other times, confident about those things we should be unsure about. Sometimes, he tempts bullies to abuse victims, and other times, tempts those to label themselves victims 
when they have just been confronted by sin. Sometimes he tempts us to be suspicious of our brothers and sisters that we have known for years and trust wolves and liars that we read about online. But make no mistake, he is and has always been coming for you. And he will continue to come for you. Yet, we are not without help. And what a help he is. Jesus, our great champion, fights just, not just by our side, but literally fights for us. War is most certainly hell, but Jesus has overcome both death and hell on our behalf. And in this series, what we're going to do is we're going to examine how, how we fight Satan in the strength of our Savior's might. Here's a clue. We are not spectators invited to grab our popcorn and watch Jesus and Satan duke it out. Or, neither are we spectators to watch the radical Christians duke it out. Rather, we all must fight Satan. And if we do not, we will fall away. We fight Satan with the tools and the weapons that our Lord provides. And this fight, this is a fight for our very eternities. And it's not something we're free to forget, disregard, or ignore. We're going to discover that we must, in order to stand, in order to make it, in order to to stand another day, we must be strengthened in Christ together to stand our ground. We must be strengthened in Christ together to stand our ground. Because we are at war. I'm going to read beginning in verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 2. Now we're only going to study verses 10 through 13, but I want to read all of of that section for context. Verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord. And in the strength of his might, put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. 
that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. I need the Lord's help. I think we all do. So I'm going to go to him in prayer, and I would encourage you to join me. Lord, as we open your word, Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts. It can be tempting to be afraid when we realize the evil that is arrayed against us. But Lord, I pray that the effect of this realization would not be fear or paralysis, but confidence in you. Not just that you have won, but that you win every day. And that you strengthen us every day as we lay hold of you. So Lord, help us this morning by your word to lay hold of you. Pray your spirit would be amongst us, encouraging us to focus on you. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're called, this passage tells us, to be strengthened in Christ so that we might stand our ground. So what are we to do? Point number one, we're to be strengthened. See, it's tempting to think when we start talking about Satan that we need to chart out our enemy's movements or make a study of his devices, or plot all the strongholds that we know of on a map, but that's not what we ought to do. Instead, Paul tells us, as we think about Satan, here's how we are to respond. Verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord, in the strength of his might. Notice he does not tell us to strengthen ourselves. He says instead to be strong in the Lord, or another way to render this is be strengthened. This means the strength to fight in this war does not and cannot come from within ourselves. This is so important. You and I simply are not strong enough. This is very non-Disney and non-American, but we are not strong enough. This runs against the grain of nearly every message about ourselves that we hear from our American culture. A cursory examination of of the sentiments in our culture bear this out. Everywhere we look, we hear things like this. Like this from Maya Angelou. Nothing can dim the light which shines from within. Or Steve Jobs. Have the courage to follow your heart and intuition. They somehow already know what you truly want to become. Or this from one of the Cinderella's that are out there. The rest of the world may follow the rules, but I must follow my heart. Or this. Actually, this I found in the bathroom at the El Paso International Airport yesterday. I was there, not exactly where I look. I don't know about you, but that's not where I look for inspiring messages. But I was there, flying back from a wonderful time at an orphanage that we serve near El Paso, on the other, other side of the border. <laughs> and on the bathroom mirror, I read this. As as I'm washing my hands, here, here's the, the message. Your ability to conquer your challenges is endless. False. It's not. See, these messages seem inspiring, but they are little more than satanically inspired drivel. Why? Because Satan has a vested interest in us trusting ourselves to strengthen ourselves. If we do, we die. We will not stand. I realize this is very un-American, this is very un-Disney, but it is, it is unapologetically, without question, true. We are not strong enough alone. 
to go toe-to-toe against the prince of darkness, Grimm. His power is such that no human can withstand it. In fact, never in the Bible are we directed to make ourselves strong by ourselves. Why? Because it is impossible. We must always look elsewhere for strength. But where? Well, verse 10 told us, be strong in whom? The Lord. Be strong in the Lord and the strength He provides. Paul does not use the personal name Jesus here, though he could have. He could have, but he uses the title Lord. Lord is the word that indicates Jesus is not just our personal Savior, but He is the one and the only one who is King over the the universe. He is the one in the universe who has the greatest power. He alone is absolutely sovereign and exalted. He is the Lord of all. Not just of our lives, but over all things. And this Lord offers strength in the face of our great foe. And so, because He has all power as Lord, we go to Him and ask for strength to fight against Satan. Now you might ask, now how do we know that this Jesus is powerful enough to help us in this fight? How strong is He really? Does He have strength to spare for us as well? He does. Back in chapter 1 of Ephesians, Paul reports to the church how he prays for them. He does this in two places, but in Ephesians chapter 1, he wants them to know of many things, but especially this. He wants them to know this in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. He wants them to understand what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. Now, what's the proof? He doesn't just say, he's powerful, believe me, go away, have fun. He says, I want you to know the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might. How did he do it? That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. In other words, Paul is directing us in verse 10 to lay hold of the power that we have access to in Jesus. The same power that we now can ask the Lord for is the same power that he used to bring Jesus back from the dead and seat him at the right hand of the Father above all rule and authority forever and ever and ever. And so when we are told that we're called to be strong in the strength of his might, the point is this, arm yourself with the same strength that the Father used when he called Jesus back from the dead to live forevermore. That is real strength. That's real power. That's the nature of his might. So we must never look to ourselves and our own strength. How do we do this? How do we look to our own strength? How do we try to strengthen ourselves? It's when we say things like this. I can figure this out. I've got it. I'll just grit my teeth. I'll just put my head down, I'll gut it out. If I'm just busy enough, I'll be fine. I'll just press through. Or I don't need anybody. No, if you think these things, what you're doing is you're saying, I don't need you, Lord. I can strengthen myself. And that is exactly what Satan wants. 
No, we are all called to be strong in the strength of the might he provides. How? How are we to do that? Well, that's next. We're called to be strong in his might. How are we to be strengthened? Point number two, by putting on his armor. It's stated explicitly in verse 11. If you look down with me, put on the whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to stand against the schemes. Not the scheme. It's like he has one or two plans and he's, eh, it didn't work. I'm, I'm done. He's got a billion. The schemes of the devil. We have protection against these schemes. Now, this is not just armor. Labeled armor of God. This is God's very armor. <laughs> In other words, he is giving us his armor. It's already battle-tested. It's already been tried and works. And he's saying, you want to be protected? You want to be strong? Have I got some armor for you? And it works. This armor was designed by the Father and worn by Jesus himself. And he says, you take it now. Here's an example. Isaiah 59, verse 17. He put on righteousness as a breastplate. What does that sound like? That's here. Ephesians 6. Paul didn't just make this up. Hey, you know what? Righteousness, breastplate, that goes together. How fun. Actually, he looked back in Isaiah. And a helmet of salvation on his head. This armor, his armor, Christ's armor, is now available to us. Think of it like this. Jesus has already fought Satan. And the weapons he used are now at our disposal. Now, let me ask you this. Would you rather use the weapons he's given us, or should we go off and fashion our own swords out of wood, plastic? I mean, it's super cute when I see little boys and girls fighting with swords that are plastic and think, oh, that's fun. I remember when I used to do that. Or they would get guns and shoot Nerf bullets, and you say, aw, See, when we fashion our own protection, we get a Nerf gun and we point it at God. And we point it at Satan. We don't point Nerf guns at God. We point it at Satan and we say, boom, you're dead. That's the effectiveness that they have. Rather, we need to defend ourselves. We need to strengthen ourselves with, against this cunning enemy with weapons we know already work. Here's the secret, which we will discover very shortly. Each piece of armor makes a vital connection to Jesus and what he's done. And we'll see that. Before I talk about this, I want you to, I want you to I want to take a step back here for just a second. I'm not sure what kind of spiritual tradition you grew up in, but there were times in my tradition that people directed me, well-meaning Christians, they directed me to sort of pantomime putting on armor each day when I got out of bed. First thing I need to do, put on the belt of truth, you know. I would need to then um, make sure that I breastplate of righteousness. I'd have to do all these pantomimes, and boom, I have my sword, and I am armed, and I am ready to go through the day. As if these, like, working out these little hand motions gives, gives me some kind of power with an invisible armor. That's not the idea. That's not the focus here. The point here is that each armor is, up, is for us to grasp Jesus as Lord and how he strengthens us by means of his weapons. If we're going to use his weapons to fight, 
we must, not, we must recognize that we do not go it alone. We are soldiers and not sightseers. We're fighters. We are involved in a battle. And we have to make sure that we utilize his armor. It might be surprising to think that as Christians, we are at war. We must, be, we must be strengthened with his strength and his might as we put on the armor of God. And this goes roughshod against the expectations I know I have about the Christian life. I want my Christian life to be easy and relaxed. I want the Lord to say to me sometimes, Calm down. It's not that bad. I want the text to read something like this. Finally, be relaxed in the Lord. And get comfortable in the snug comfort he offers. Put on your most comfortable lounge-around clothes. Make sure it's all soft and it smells good so that you feel better. Rest, therefore, having put on tight, but not too tight, the drawstring of your lounge pants, <laughs> so you can enjoy coziness. Having put on a loose shirt of life, that you might, of, of a life going like you expect, don't forget the slippers for your feet, given for the readiness of the gospel of ease. In all circumstances, take up the shield that is your phone so that you can extinguish all the fiery darts of boredom and put on the soft, hairy cloak, robe of salvation from all difficulties. Pulling it tight and the sword of your remote, which is the word of Netflix. <laughs> and at all times, sit on the couch, putting your feet up, keeping alert to avoid disappointment and annoyances. That's what I want it to read, and that's what sometimes I act like it reads. See, when we're called as soldiers, Christians, all of us are called to be soldiers in this battle, at this war, there is, we're not invited to get comfortable. We're not invited here to rest. We rest in Christ, but our lives are going to be anything but rest. It's not a vacation living here in this world in this dark and evil world and living with Christ. It's not a vacation. We put on the armor of God, not the pajamas of God. We're not invited to get comfortable, but, but to strengthen ourselves so that we might stand. We must strengthen ourselves to stand against Satan by rehearsing what we already have in Christ. See, we are protected by Jesus, what he has done for us, what he is doing in us, and what he will do with us. We strengthen ourselves in his strength, the might of his, his majesty, when we daily tighten our grip on Jesus Christ. Or to take a phrase you might be more familiar with and use it here, when we continually fix ourselves on Jesus. The strongest Christians are the ones who stay closest to Jesus. We gain strength as we grow to know Jesus more and better and experience him day by day. Now, each one of these pieces of armor do just that. Let us take them briefly in turn and see how we might strengthen ourselves here. The belt of truth. That is not just truth in general, but that's the truth that despite Satan's lies to the contrary, you and I and all of us have no hope 
in life or in death other than the truth that Jesus Christ is the only way. Satan will say, you can trust yourself. The belt of truth, the belt of his truth, reminds us we cannot. We strengthen ourselves by remembering, I follow Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. The breastplate of righteousness. Satan means accuser, and he will sometimes whisper, sometimes shout in our ears that we are unworthy, and he reminds us of past or current sins. But remember, friends, we as Christians are protected by the very righteousness of Christ. We are right now in heaven declared righteous, not because of our goodness, but because Jesus has taken our place and his righteousness has been imputed to us. And now, no matter what Satan says, we are righteous before God. The shoes. Satan wants us to spread suspicion and fear. Because we are in Christ, wherever our feet and wherever our shoes take us, we can spread the good news of the gospel of peace. There is now a way to have peace with God, despite our many sins, and that is only in Christ, and trusting in Him and His substitutionary death. The shield of faith. Satan will tell us there are many reasons to doubt the goodness of God, but as we hold the shield of faith, we remind ourselves that we can trust Him heart and soul, today and forever. He who did not spare his son for our good means that we can trust him. Helmet of salvation. Satan will give us fine-sounding arguments against the gospel based on science or philosophy or common sense. But as we take every question to Jesus, the maker of our minds, we can know and trust that we have great reason to believe that if he says we are safe, if we're saved, we are safe and we are saved. The sword of the Spirit. Satan will come at us with lies, accusations, threats, confusion, and all manner of chaos. But with the truth of the Bible, we can fight them off. Like when he comes to us and says, you're going through hard times, because God is angry with you. Your answer is false. If God is for me, who can be against me? Not you. And I know because Christ is, has died and risen, and he has given him for me, I know God is not against me. That is how we strengthen ourselves. We strengthen ourselves by taking all of these elements and recognizing that in Christ and Christ alone is where we find our strength. This is why as a church, we do, not, we do not talk about Jesus and then move on to deeper and greater things. There is nothing deeper or greater than Jesus Christ. There is no one who will protect you like Jesus. There is no one worth living for like Jesus Christ. There is nothing deeper and greater and more important than Him. And friend, when we get to eternity and see him face to face, we will live for all times and never know him all, no, know him all ultimately. He is infinite. And there's always more where that came from. So friend, do you see how all this leads to Jesus? See, this is part of why we're talking day, about daily being in the word of God. And weekly coming together to worship. This is part of how we strengthen ourselves in the strength of his might. 
We will not be strong. This, this call to put on the armor of God is not like a one time and forget it. It's a daily activity. It's a daily activity to strengthen ourselves in the strength of his might every day, all the time. If we do not, we will not stand. Satan will pick us off. We must be strengthened in Christ and stand our ground together daily, weekly, monthly, all the time. Otherwise, we will fall. Doubt this? Well, point number three. We've seen that, our, that we are to be strengthened by putting on his armor. And now we ask why. It's this. Because our enemies are strong. Verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. That's against people. But against the rulers. Against the authorities against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. In other words, our fight is not and has never been against people. Not fundamentally. Our enemies are not the Democrats or Republicans. They're not the transsexuals or the homosexuals. They're not the vaxxers or the anti-vaxxers. Our enemies are not the hyper-conservatives or the socialists. Our enemies are not of flesh and blood. Verse 12 gives us four descriptions of our evil foes. Rulers, authorities, cosmic powers, and spiritual forces of evil. The reason they are described like this is to show us that they are personal, demonic forces directed by Satan himself against us. This is, as one author has called it, a spiritual mafia of sorts. It's organized. It's trained. It's efficient, it's ruthless, and it's coming for us. And these forces are not human. These forces are also not human institutions, though these forces impact all human institutions. Why? Because the world we live in lies underneath the spell of the evil one. You may have come from a tradition that emphasizes the need to identify these powers by name and map them out. I don't think this is advisable for two reasons. First, we have no direction from the New Testament to do this. And it's almost like saying that if we do not identify them in some way, Christ's ability to overcome them is limited. No, rather, rather, we pray to Jesus and ask for his help against the evil forces, whatever their names are, wherever they are, because they are everywhere. Even in the United States, when it's not so obvious, they're there. Talk to missionaries who've been in other parts of the world. They see this activity. Satan's much more subtle here. The other reason we don't think about mapping them out is that the whole world is under his control at this moment. Except the church and those Christian organizations working to advance the kingdom. We live in an evil day. There is a darkness that has fallen over this world. And this is why we ask for help from our Lord. And a hyper-focus on these evil forces does not help us. We are to fix ourselves on Jesus and ask him for strength, knowing their names, 
or where they are, where they hold sway, does not strengthen us in the same way as asking for help and for and, and relying on the strength of Jesus Christ. There's something else I'd be remiss if I missed if I didn't mention here. Paul says this in verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. See, all of us are included in that. It's not just, like I said earlier, the radical or the committed Christian. And this wrestling is not, is not from a distance. It's hand-to-hand. All of us are to grapple hand-to-hand here. They will come at you. Whether you want to or not, Satan and his forces will come at you, and you will wrestle against these evil forces. We are all, whether we like it or not, involved in some kind of close-quarter combat. This is why Paul says again in verse 13, Daily we must therefore, what? Take up the whole armor of God, verse 13 says, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand firm. Notice we're not called on a march. We're not invading anywhere. We're already behind enemy lines. So we're not invading anybody. We're standing. So the call for us today is to strengthen ourselves in the work of what Jesus Christ and who he is and what he's done so that we might withstand this evil day and stand firm in the face of all of Satan's attack. Not only that, but this is not something we can do alone. Not only do we rely on Jesus Christ, we do this together. If you read verses 10, 11, 12, and 13, there's a lot of we's and us's here, and every you is plural. Reminding us that we do not fight alone and we cannot ever stand alone. You can only stand as you stand with others in your church. If this is your church, you need to recognize and, 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 and be aware that we, you need other people here at Center Church in order to stand. We stand side by side with each other. And whatever church you're from, if you're visiting, you stand with them. And this all holds true. See, the devil has a great many schemes. And we must not think of his schemes solely like Ouija boards and voodoo and magic and demon possession and channeling evil spirits and the like. Those things are real, but they're way too obvious. His insidious attacks are much more clever, and they come under the cloak of darkness. See, he's going to attack us in a different way. Someone comes to you and says, listen, I have a voodoo doll. Do you want to try it out? None of us are going to go, yeah, that sounds pretty cool. No. But he's much more cunning. His schemes, his schemes, he knows how to deliver schemes to, 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 to combat us and our church. More than anything, you need to recognize, more than anything you're a part of, he wants to destroy your church. So what does he do? He's constantly working to destroy us. See, a scheme I guarantee that he is com- that's coming at us right now, it's always coming at us, is the satanic scheme of division. Satan loves to divide. He loves division in the church because the Lord hates it. And he attacks us usually, or often, not usually, by encouraging us to elevate secondary things above primary things or personal preferences to the point of conviction. 
a mild complaint against someone else, spoken to someone who's not a part of the situation, can do wonderful damage for, this, for the, the powers of darkness. We don't have the right to, to whisper suspicions of others to bring them down. See, division is deadly, and Satan loves it. But our call as a church and as a people is to be strong in Christ and understand that he can work through unworthy saints just like us. And we must daily take up the whole armor of God so that we might stand against the temptation to isolate ourselves from other, others. We take up the rec- and recognize that we are declared and righteous, and yet none of us is perfect. We must, we need each other. If we isolate ourselves from each other, that's always the first step in destruction. And if you think, well, I need to go find a more perfect church, full of perfect or better people, you're going to look forever. People are people. Or as Atticus Finch says, folks are folks. Those who call themselves Christians but yet are not meaningfully involved in a church are exactly where Satan wants them. They will not stand, because we cannot stand alone. Friends, we are at war, and war is hell. But our Lord has the keys to death and Hades, and he has overcome. Ours is a victory that we do not have to look to ourselves to win, but ours is a victory to where we look to another who has already won this victory on our behalf. We learn not about the devil to make us afraid, but so that we can see all that Christ has done for us so that because we can stand now, not because of how strong we are or how impressive we are or how educated we are, but because we stand in Christ. Christ is the solid rock with which we stand, and he is the only one who can protect us from the evil one because our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the evil one and his minions. And friends, the only place we will stand together is in Christ. This series is going to invite us not to invest our trust in our own strength, our own abilities, our own feelings, our own sensibilities, our emotions, or our fears, or our passions, or our doubts, this series is going to remind us that we must be radical in stepping toward Christ on a daily basis and asking for Him to strengthen us on a daily basis to take our stand in Christ and in Christ alone. Otherwise, we will fall. I don't want any of us to fall. And you don't want to fall. So let us together take our stand in Him, in Jesus. Let us withstand in Jesus. And as we stand in Him, we will be able to withstand all that Satan can bring our way. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for all of us in this room that we might recognize there is no other safe place to be apart from you. 
Lord, I pray for those here who are not Christians and not following you, thinking that there are other places of safety, thinking that there are other moment, other places of refuge, thinking that there are other, other places that they can, they can be safe. There are not. And so, Lord, I ask that you would help them to recognize they need to trust you. I pray for those who are tempted to isolate themselves from Christians and not be a part of a church, Lord. I pray that they would connect, whether it's here or another gospel-preaching church, faithfully walking through your word. I pray that you would help them to connect there. Lord, I ask that you would save these people from the schemes of the evil one. And I pray that you would preserve us, Lord. You have preserved us, and you will preserve us, Lord. And we pray that you will continue to preserve us. I pray that you would help us each to take our stand in you, Jesus. Forgive us for all those times and in all those places that we've thought we had it all figured out. And if people would just listen to us, or you would just do what we thought, then things would be okay. Lord, no, that's not it. There is no strength in our own opinions. There is no strength in our preferences. There is no strength in those kinds of things. Those are empty. It's only in you. In you alone. That we can be strengthened. And so, Lord, strengthen us each, individually and together as a church. pray that we would grow strong in our trust of you. I pray, Lord, I pray that we would stand and withstand the attacks that are sure to come even this week. Jesus, thank you that we can take refuge in you. Thank you that we don't have to wonder if you're strong enough you're mighty enough. Thank you that we don't have to wonder whether you can do it. You can, you have, you will. So Lord, I pray that the effect of this series would be that we trust you more and look to lay hold of you on a daily basis. Lord Jesus, it's in your name we have all our hope and take our stand and ask for mercy and strength, because every day is a day of need. In your name we pray. Amen.